0: Hi there, precious friends. Today we're in session 10 of our series on discovering the dynamics of prayer. Today we're going to talk about prayer and forgiveness. There are a number of things which are hindrances to powerful, effective prayer. Uh, Things as simple as busyness and laziness and lack of discipline and distractions and ignorance and worldly cares and worldly sorrows all kinds of things can hinder our praying lives hinder our prayers scripture teaches that prayer can be hindered so we always need to be on the watch out for that in our last session we looked at the relationship between prayer and faith we saw that faith is displayed in our obedience. Obedience, like faith, is essential for effective prayer. Obedience is not a trade off that says, I'll obey you if you'll answer my prayer. That's not what it is. Obedience is not doing God a favor. Prayer is more than words we say, prayer is the relationship that we have with God. Uh, in in the lives in which we live. In that relationship, He can show us what He's doing, show us what His heart is, and so we can grow in that relationship with Him, and in that relationship of faith and obedience, we can access what God is wanting to do on earth. Remember that we're conduits that God has chosen to use to bring the power of heaven to circumstances on earth. That happens through prayer. Well, some things, especially disobedience, dull our spiritual senses. Um, Those things interrupt our, our power in prayer and God's ability therefore to, or God's willingness to do something in the earth according to our prayers. Many of you are like me, <clears throat> you maybe wear glasses or contact lenses. Well, my glasses are primarily for distance vision. And if I'm looking at something and remove my glasses, then nothing about the view changes except my ability to see it clearly. I might be able to see big things. I might be able to make out outlines, but I can't read words. I can't see the details uh, without my glasses on. So um, driving down the road, I have to wear them so that I can read the road signs. But if I took my glasses off, the road signs would still be there. I just wouldn't be able to know for sure what they were saying. I would not have clear vision. That happens in our praying lives. In our praying lives, this blurring uh, can be caused by prayerlessness and disobedience and not walking in intimacy with the Lord. And all of that keeps us from clearly seeing spiritual realities. It keeps us from being able to see what God sees. It keeps us from being able to be in touch with what God is thinking, with what God is wanting us to do. So, our ability to hear Him speak is doubled. Jesus, in John chapter 8 and verse 43, was speaking to his enemies when he said, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you cannot hear what I'm saying. Well, we can sometimes hear words, but not comprehend God's heart, not comprehend his meaning when he tells us something. And all of those things become dulled and blurred when we're not walking in obedience and faith. John chapter 14 and verse 21 tells us to whom Jesus will reveal himself. He says, whoever has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is who loveth me. And he who loveth me Will be loved by my Father, and I will love Him, and will reveal myself to Him. Do you get that? He who has my commandments and keepeth them, keepeth them. That means we're going to walk in obedience. He it is who does what, who loveth me. Um, Sometimes I, through the years, singing songs about uh, like the old hymn, "Oh How I Love Jesus," becomes convicting to me. Because we could say, oh how I love Jesus, oh how I obey Jesus, because love and obey go together. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, if there's a person, if you have my commandments and keepeth them, you will be loved by my Father, and I will love you and will reveal myself to you. So that is contingent upon Walking in God's word, walking in his commandments. John chapter 15 and verse 7 tells us the key to answered prayer. He said, if you remain in me, Jesus is speaking. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, that goes beyond a set of rules, doesn't it? It's not just a matter of a checklist of things that we can do, rules we follow in order for God to be impressed. That's not what this is about. It goes beyond rules. This, in this, Jesus is talking about a relationship, the kind of relationship that exists between a branch and a vine. They dwell together. There's no tension between them. And so um, Jesus just says, that's the key to answer prayer dwell in me, dwell in my words, let my words dwell in you, and we're gonna start living together like the vine. He's the vine and we're the branches. Well, one more major thing that clogs the channels of prayer power is unforgiveness. I imagine that's something that every one of us has experienced probably more than once but one of the major things that clogs channels of prayer power is unforgiveness. Think about anger, bitterness, revenge, unforgiveness. All of those cut off the flow of God's power through us. Paul tells us that unforgiveness gives the enemy, Satan, an opportunity to carry out his schemes. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, He says, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan may not get an advantage or outwit us, is what some translations say. For we are not unaware of his schemes. And so what's he saying? He's saying when we do not deal with the issues of unforgiveness in our lives, then Satan gets an advantage. We don't wanna give him an advantage, do we? Scripture gives over and over again a significant link between forgiveness and prayer. In Matthew chapter six and verse 12, you might want to just turn there with me. Matthew chapter six and verse 12, Jesus instructs the disciples on how to pray. We did a lesson on the model prayer when the disciples went to Jesus and said, will you teach teach us to pray? And so Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on down and he says, say, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, immediately after that, Look at it, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus goes right on, he just goes right on in the same thought by saying, for if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions, or your debts, or your trespasses. Ooh, think about that. Matthew 6, verses, uh, what did I tell you? Uh, verse, beginning in verse 12, and then he goes right on down there in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. That's heavy stuff. Mark eleven twenty-five. when you stand praying, Jesus is speaking, If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. What's he saying? He's saying, whenever, whenever you stand praying without exception, whenever you stand praying without exception, you forgive, forgive. Now, We probably need to spend several lessons on forgiveness and bitterness and anger, but the purpose of this lesson is to consider the relationship between prayer and forgiveness. Jesus told his disciples to ask God for forgiveness every time they pray, every time. He knew that daily we all would fall short of God's standard and we would need to deal with the sins in our lives on a daily basis. We'd need to stay abreast of dealing with the sinfulness um, that we encounter, that we perform uh, before God. But Jesus also warned us that we should expect forgiveness from God like we forgive those who sin against us. Matthew chapter six, verse 14 and 15 that we just read. You know, very often we get confused with these verses, especially if we just are reading casually. And sometimes people might read that verse and say, whoops, well that leaves me out, leaves me out. I I can't forgive, so I can never be saved. God's not gonna forgive my sins, too bad for me. That's not what he's saying at all. So we don't wanna do a casual reading here because it it makes it look like that forgiveness from God requires that we forgive somebody else. And one has to start forgiving people before he can be saved. That's not what this is said. That's not what this is about. We're only going to get forgiven if we forgive. And so that he says that, but what do we have to do? We're gonna have to put this in the whole context of God's word. What is the overall view? What do other scriptures tell us about all of this? So let's look at this so we won't be confused about uh, this passage, about these verses. Let's start with what we know. What we know. We know that we are all sinners. Scripture tells us that. Holy Spirit reveals that to us. We are all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is everybody, who has ever been born except Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We owe a sin debt that is so huge, it is impossible for us to pay it. Scripture shows that sin carries a debt with it and that debt is what? Death. That's how we pay for sin, is by death. And so we owe this sin debt that is so huge It is impossible for us to pay it. And so we recognize that debt. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize the debt that accompanies that sinfulness. So there is the universal problem of sin everywhere, everybody, all the time. Peter, even after he was an apostle, said to Jesus, "'Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord.'" Paul said what? I am the chief of sinners. And so these guys were believers. They're in the Bible for the ministry that they did, but they're confessing that they're sinful. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray, forgive us our debts. So sin is the problem. Sin carries debt. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. And he said, every time you pray, pray that. It's a way of life. So, what is the provision? Sin is the problem. It carries a debt, but the provision for dealing with that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's the way we fix our sinfulness, God's forgiveness. Well, what is forgiveness? It is God wiping sin off of our record. God, I'm a sinner, here's my record. It's full of sins and God takes the blood of Jesus and He cleanses that. He erases my sin record. It is God setting us free from punishment and guilt. It's a work of God. He remembers our sins against us no more. He's not going to continue to hold them against us. He's not going to continue to bring them up to us and say, well, do you remember when you did? He remembers them against us no more. Um, The Bible says he divides our sins as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? We don't know. It's as far as you can get, isn't it? Corey ten Boom reminds us us of where God says that he takes our sins and buries them in the deepest sea. And then he puts up a no fishing sign. They're gone. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Did you sing that song as a child? He deals with them. He gets rid of them. When we enter God's kingdom, we enter through the door of forgiveness. Forgiveness. God's forgiveness. We acknowledge our sin. We go to God and say, I can't pay this debt. I need you here. And so what does he do? He sends Jesus to pay that debt for us. And by faith, I claim him and he deals with my sin. Aren't we thankful for that kind of forgiveness? Well, this is only possible because of Christ. Only possible because of Christ. God could not just pass over our sin or overlook it because He is a righteous, just, holy God. It's gotta be dealt with. Carries a debt, debt's gotta be paid. And so the only way that God could deal with that debt and maintain his holiness and his justice is that he let somebody else die in our place. He let somebody else pay that debt. He put the punishment on somebody else. And that's why Jesus died. He took all of that and put the punishment on Jesus. And the moment, the moment you place your faith in Christ, your sin is put on Him. It's transferred to Him. So His righteousness at that same moment is put in you. It's a huge transfer. It's forgiveness. Sin is placed on Him. His righteousness is placed on me. And so then before God, we are declared righteous and we're holy. And all of our sin forever, past, present, and future sins are forgiven. That is the power of the blood of Christ and the intention of God the Father. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, God has taken the iniquity of the sins, the iniquity or the sins of us all, and laid them on Jesus. That is judicial forgiveness. Write it down Judicial forgiveness. Now, we could call it positional forgiveness. It's true, it's real, it's fact, it has happened, and it's given to us by God the Father on the basis of Christ, His Son. All of your sins are forgiven because of Christ if you believe and put your faith and trust in Him and name Him Lord of your life. Well, wait a minute. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. What did he say? Matthew 6, 14. Let's read it again. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Well, does that mean that all we've just said is not true? No, no. If all of my sins are forgiven in Christ, and that's a sure thing, that's a sure thing. If all of my sins are forgiven in Christ, if they were dealt with at the cross, why in the world do I need to ask for forgiveness? And why will I not get it unless I give it to somebody else? How does this verse fit in with what we know with the whole counsel of God. Well, some people say that's for an unbeliever. Well, no, it ain't, and I'm gonna tell you how I know. How does the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer begin? Our Father, born into the family, child of God. And so the prayer begins with a relationship, a father-child relationship. So this model prayer that Jesus gave the disciples is for believers. And what does he say to believers? Say when you pray, forgive our debts or our transgressions like we forgive those who have transgressed against us. That is a disciple's prayer. It is a believer's prayer. And so here's, here's, here's what I want us to be sure we get today. There are two kinds of forgiveness. Two kinds of forgiveness. There's judicial forgiveness. That's what we've been talking about. And then there is parental forgiveness, or we could call it practical forgiveness or fellowship forgiveness. Um, it is it is that forgiveness where we deal with a loving father rather than a righteous judge. And we've been born into the family of God by faith, and we have had the righteousness of Christ imputed to our judicial accounts. So God has called us saved. By the work of Christ, He has called us righteous. Now we have to learn to walk in an intimate, fulfilling relationship with God the Father, where we fellowship together, and there is joy and fulfillment. I can hear Him speak to me, He hears me, and we love being together. But when we sin, something happens in that intimacy. Something happens in that closeness, that fellowship. If your children disobey you, they're still your children. They've been born to you. They are not somebody else's children because you're not pleased with them. They are still yours, but there's a loss of enjoyment when you're out of fellowship with your child because either of their disobedience or your wrong attitudes. God doesn't have any wrong attitudes. so. So this kind of forgiveness is about fellowship with the Father now. I know some people don't like to use that word for this because fellowship is a fact of life that is given to us with the Father because of Christ the Son. So I guess in my little meager mind, I think of that fellowship as being a positional fellowship. It's there. But I don't have, I don't enjoy the fellowship the joy until I ask for forgiveness. In Psalm 51, David believed God. David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, his faith, like the faith of Abraham in the Old Testament, had imputed righteousness to his account. He loved God, but he had committed terrible sin. He had committed adultery and murder, and his heart is a mess. And so he goes to God out of this guilty heart, and he says, My sin is ever before me. I can't get it off my mind. can't get a sin off of his mind. And so he cries out to the Lord and says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David was saved, but there was something between him and God. And he cried out, make me hear joy and gladness. Bring that back. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Because sin had interrupted his intimacy, his joy, his fulfillment, his fellowship with God. Judicial forgiveness takes care of salvation. Judicial forgiveness takes care of salvation. Parental forgiveness or practical forgiveness takes care of joy and fullness and the intimacy and the power of prayer, the power of prayer. If we want fullness and joy with the Father, if we want intimacy with the Father, we keep our sins confessed. It's a daily process. Uh, It may be a moment by moment process. We need to confess that sin, agree with God about that sin, repent of that sin as soon as we know we've got it. remember that Peter had to have his feet washed remember uh Jesus was going to wash the feet of the disciples and Peter says uh-uh, you're not washing my feet and he and Jesus says if I don't you have no part with me he didn't mean that he wasn't safe I need you I need you Peter for you to have power in your life I need to wash your feet and so Peter said what you wash anything you want to wash wash all over and so God is a God of forgiveness. Forgiveness is our deepest spiritual need. That's the deepest spiritual need of anybody. Without forgiveness, without forgiveness, you know what kind of shape we'd be in without forgiveness? Without forgiveness, we would never enter a relationship with God. We would pay our own penalty for sin, and we would spend eternity in hell. God's forgiveness prevents those things from happening to to us. So, here's some questions. Number one, have you experienced the forgiveness that comes from Christ? Do you know that forgiveness? Are you in God's family? Can you say to him, our Father? If so, are you bringing your daily sins to the Lord on a very regular basis? That's what he says to do. Keep your sins. Bertha Smith talks about keeping your sins confessed up to date. So, all during the day, we may just be saying, Lord, I confess that sin. I see that. I know you see that. Cleanse me of that sin. And so, what are we doing? We're keeping our spiritual feet washed. We don't want to run around with muddy feet. Keep your spiritual feet washed. So, the next question would be then, are you experiencing daily intimacy? with God? Is that a part of your walk? And the next question then would be, are you forgiving others? Are you forgiving others? Because what did he say? Forgive me, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Because God said, this is the way we're to live as believers. That's what he said. He said, this is a way of life for you, Um, for unforgiveness, bitterness, those things are not at home in in the heart, in the life of a believer. And so because God said this, that's the way we're to live. That's the way we approach life as believers. Now, think with me just for a minute about judicial forgiveness and parental forgiveness. And, you know, if you want to call it positional forgiveness and practical forgiveness, you can do that. But in practical forgiveness, in practical forgiveness, I implement my positional forgiveness. In practical forgiveness, I implement my positional forgiveness in my daily life. What do I do? I put forgiveness on display. I put it on display. I I put on display the fact that I have received God's forgiveness. And then I show what it's like by forgiving others. I'm the conduit. And so he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven. Some scholars say that's the tense of that verb. So what that means is, here's the sequence, here's the order. I forgive those who have sinned against me, then I seek forgiveness of my Father. I forgive others first. And then I seek the Father's forgiveness for my own sins. That same kind of idea, is in other places in Scripture. Um, Remember, it says give, and it shall what? Be given unto you. Um, In whatever measure you give, God's going to give to you. Then there's sow sparingly, and you will reap sparingly. Or if you sow bountifully, then you will reap bountifully. Whatever we invest in God's kingdom, there's going to be a return on it. And so we are a conduit through which God's character and his blessings flow to the world. God's people are to be like Christ. The world needs to be able to look at us and see something about what Jesus is like. What did he do when he walked on the earth? What were his attitudes? What was his heart? So all sin, all sin, all sin is against God. I may think it's sin against me, but because I'm in covenant with him, Whatever somebody does to me, they do to him. So it's still sin against God. In Psalm 51, David David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Now let me ask you a question. Who am I just to to be one to try to stop that flow of God's forgiveness? If the sin is against God and against me too, and I know that God's going to take it up, then what's going to happen? I don't want to step in. somebody. If somebody sins against me, I don't want to step up and say, uh-uh, uh-uh. God's forgiveness is not for you. Uh-uh. We're stopping this right here. You think God is pleased with it? Who do we think we are? So it's our job then to try to seek God about how to forgive in some of these very difficult situations. Forgiveness is foreign, foreign to the human nature but it is at home in our spiritual nature. So again, it's that warfare between the flesh and the spirit. When our flesh would like to just stomp somebody, but our spirit is saying, God's forgiveness, Christ died on the cross for this sin, and I'm the conduit from God. I participate with God, I work with God in that forgiveness being transferred to that person. Turn with me to Matthew chapter eighteen, Matthew chapter eighteen, and um, let's just pick up in verse twenty-one, and I'm going to read this parable that Jesus gave. Peter came and said to him, "Lord, how often, uh, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him?" Seven times. Now you kind of want to think that maybe uh, Peter was kind of feeling a little bit proud of himself that he might be willing to forgive seven whole times. Jesus answered and said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, a countless number, a countless number. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had, when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. Now today, let me me just give you a little math. And again, I'm taking somebody else's word for this, but I believe it to be true. One denarius for 12 hours would be $60 a day today. 6,000 denarii would be one talent, and one talent would be $360,000. 10,000 talents today would be close to $3.6 billion. Now, here you go. Owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, see, he's in a debt that he can't repay. Since he didn't have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment had to be made. The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. He wanted to, but he couldn't. And the lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, You pay me now for what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him... His Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father... Also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Do we want all of the forgiveness that God has to offer? How does God forgive us? He he forgives us immediately. He forgives us fully, completely. He doesn't hold hold it against us anymore. He erases the record. And so we want all of the forgiveness God has to give us that he can give, but we are not willing to forgive somebody else. (coughs) We're stewards of mercy. (coughs) James chapter two, verse 13. The one who shows no mercy will receive none. (coughs) The one who shows no mercy will receive none. Oswald Sanders says, Jesus measures us, us by the yardstick we use for others. Jesus measures us with the same yardstick that we use to measure others. When I forgive others, when I choose forgiveness, I experience the fullness of fellowship with God. And I take myself out of place of being chastened by God for unforgiveness. Instead, it puts me in the place of God's blessing. It makes sense to forgive, to learn how to do that, to follow God's command in doing that. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about Forgiveness for a minute as we close. There are many, many levels of offense. Uh, Some of us may have been betrayed. Some of us may have been abused. Uh, Some of us may have suffered great inner pain. And maybe the memories of that are still with us. and, And maybe we feel guilty because we know we should forgive but we just haven't really been able to. It still hurts. I can't forget it. It was awful. Now, until we can do some sessions on forgiveness, let's let's get this until we can talk about it again. D.L. Moody said forgiveness is sometimes the most difficult of all things to do. The most difficult thing to deal with sometimes is forgiveness. So what do I do? What do I do? Number one, we've got to realize that forgiveness is a choice. It is an act of the will. It is not an emotion. Listen to me. I struggled with that for a long time. Forgiveness in the beginning may not do one thing for your feelings about it. But it is is a choice. It is an act of the will. And now, that doesn't mean that what the other person did was all right. It doesn't mean that it was okay or that God's going to overlook it if I do if I forgive him because what? God's going to deal with vengeance of anything that came toward me. That's part of being in covenant with him. So he's going to do that. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the hurt is going to go away quickly. The hurt can still be there. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget what happened. It doesn't mean that you have to go back into fellowship or relationship with with the person that did it. What does it mean? It is an act of the will where I bow before God and I thank him for his forgiveness for me. And I say to him, I want to buy in. I want to be a part of your program. I want to obey you. I want to be that conduit. And I tell him, I want to choose to forgive. I make the choice to forgive because you want me to. Because this is about you. Because this is about what Jesus did on the cross. So I ask him to give me his supernatural ability to love and forgive that person. It's not in me. It's not in my flesh. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will let me be the conduit through which that flows. Anyone who has wronged me for anything, I take it back before the Lord. Listen, this is a whole nother topic, but God is sovereign over everything. God is sovereign over everything. Now, it doesn't mean that he likes what happened to you, but it means he will use it. And when I bow before that sovereignty, I say, I am yours. I am yielded to you. And would you use this in my life for your glory? Bitterness and anger and unforgiveness will do not one thing to that person, but it will make you sick. There are people today with serious mental health problems because they have refused to forgive. It will destroy you. So we go to God and we cry out and we say, please put that forgiveness in my heart. I choose by an act of my will, and then commit your memories, your emotions, those things to him. You know, emotions are like the tail on a dog. The tail doesn't wag the dog. The dog wags the tail. Emotions do not need to wag us. Our will will, at a point in time, wag the tail of our emotions. So we go to God and we, see if it, we tell him all of that. And then, listen to me. We receive it by faith. We receive it by faith. God said, if you bring it to me, I will do this. And so we're going to believe that he will do what he says he will do. I'm not going to depend on my feelings. I'm not going to depend on anything else other than God's word. And so I'm going to receive it by faith. And I take that sin that was committed against me. I take that sin to the cross and I put it under the blood of Jesus because he died for that sin and he will deal with it if there needs to be vengeance he'll deal with it if there needs to be teaching he will deal with it i, I just surrender it to him i lay it before him and i give it to him and so i have to just ask him now show me how to live in this forgiveness our memory our memories our emotions all of those things it are a process enter a process, and we continue to take those things to Christ. And we may have to say to him, man, it's on my mind today. I still remember it. But I know at such and such a time, I surrendered by an act of my will. I surrendered this to you. Would you heal my emotions? Heal my memories? Let me look at this the way I need to look at this, that it will bring you glory in my life and in the lives of other people. Your process may be different from anybody else's process. You know, maybe you're talking with a friend who also is having trouble with it, but when you, when you get together with that friend, it's not always good to, you can compare notes, but don't expect them to both be the same. You need to be willing to say, this is the way God is working on this in my life. But oh, I love the verse that says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So once we take that to him and let him begin that work, he's going to do his job. He's going to complete that work. And so once we've entered into the process, by yielding ourselves to his working, we have fulfilled the commandment to forgive. He says, you forgive. And I say to him, by an act of the will, I surrender to you and I forgive. You have come fulfilled the commandment to forgive. You don't have to wait for emotions to catch up and memories to catch don't let Satan take all that stuff. You, you're gonna go before the Lord and that's where you're gonna leave it, right there. It's what you're gonna do. You know, probably we need to ask God to show us those places in our hearts where we are harboring resentment, I think the truth for a lot of us is that it may have been there for so long we don't even recognize it. We're not aware that it's still there. Um, maybe sometimes we just think that that's the way life's going to be. So that when you see such and such a person, you run. You know, think. Ooh. We just have to ask him to show us where those places are, to let him shine the light of his holiness, and to bring healing to those hurting places, those memories that are in our lives. Don't be afraid to take your pain and your anger to God. Don't be afraid to tell, he knows it, agree with him. Don't be afraid to tell him. The best thing you can do is be honest with God. Lord, I just can hardly stand it when I run into him or her. So I tell God and I trust God to complete that work in me. And when I see that person, then what am I going to do? I'm going to be pleasant and gracious and kind. I'm going to be courteous. But I don't have to take them home with me. Let God take that situation and make whatever it is he wants it to be. So we need to let him teach us to pray with power. We are desperately in this world needing some powerful prayers. Many prayers are laying on the table unanswered because we have not forgiven. They may be important prayers, big prayers, but they're just laying there and God is waiting for us to release forgiveness to somebody so that His work can begin. Let's ask God to show us where they are and what they are, and then obey Him. We're in this together, and with God's help, we will work through it, but begin by making the choice to forgive others the way God has forgiven you. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. Amen.